of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes state of Michigan. How you doing? My name's Robert Kerr. Hope you're feeling fine. I am the host of this program. As always, this episode, the 47th episode produced in 2022 and our 91st episode of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Some great stuff has been produced, and lots more great stuff to come. Check out social media where, whether you're a coach, player, and or supporter, it's the place to connect with the entire soccer community. And on those social media channels, we will be publishing some of the staff picks for their favorite episodes of the year, as well as produce a list of the top five most popular episodes of 2022. As we look ahead to 2023, I think one of the first episodes of the new year will be the big questions and storylines to look out for. There's some big things to come in 2023 in Michigan soccer in general, as with Michigan Soccer Central, as we here, the Michigan Soccer Central core team, are taking steps to expand our coverage and enhance our content so very excited to to grow more and very excited about the growth and expansion of this podcast we're up i think 147 percent in listenership over 2021 and followers as well and always could use more so friends if you enjoy this program or the social media uh, profiles of michigan soccer central please share talk about, and uh, spread the word of Michigan Soccer Central and the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. That's the number one way for grassroots uh, podcasts and platforms to expand the reach is the word of mouth from those folks who enjoy it. On this week's episode, we are going to kind of wrap up the final kind of big piece uh, storyline of Michigan soccer here at the very tail end of 2022. And That's that a handful of Michiganders were drafted in the 2022 MLS Super Draft. So we have Michigan Soccer Central core team member and uh, soccer syndicate scout to kind of analyze the selections of the Michigan-based players, where they went, and what their prospects in the professional ranks look like. So please enjoy this final episode of 2022 here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Welcome back, listener, here on Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Just before uh, Christmas, there was the MLS Super Draft, and there was a number of Michigan-based players that got selected to join the MLS in the professional ranks and to talk about those players and kind of the process for an amateur player to go pro, we've got our man in the scouting world, scout for the soccer syndicate, and a Michigan Soccer Central core team member, Brooks Lambier. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. 
Hey, Robert, it's been a while. It's been, uh, but you've had a lot of good interviews, you know, so it can't always be me, right? <laughs> well, thank you for coming on yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the the week in between Christmas and New Year's. And like I said, just before mm-hmm. Christmas, the MLS draft happened and you're in the thick mm-hmm. of it with uh, scouting and looking at all the uh, the prospects coming through. So we had some Michigan-based players get drafted uh, last week. Uh let us know who they are, what they did to get the spotlight, and what kind of their prospects of signing a pro contract are. Yeah, so um, so the three kids, uh, I mean, some Michigan-based ties are going to be uh, Daniel Nimick from Western Michigan, uh, the English-slash-Canadian uh, center back who had a phenomenal year this year, um, as we know as the Western Michigan Broncos did this year. Uh uh, Hunter Morse, the uh, grad transfer from Michigan State um, that went to Western Michigan as well. Uh, Hunter, you know, had he, he, he was all right at Michigan State uh, in his three, four years he played there. Uh, and it was a good switch for Hunter, honestly, uh, you know, transfer out and go to grad school uh, or, or have one more year of undergrad, either that or one year of undergrad or grad school at Western Michigan. Uh, and, you know, watching him play a bit this year, you know, he looked a lot more confident and comfortable. Uh, sometimes a change of scenery and a different coaching staff can really do that for him. I remember watching Hunter, you know, when he was with the Michigan Wolves when he was a U19, U17, and, you know, the size and, and the size was there for Hunter. And, uh, you know, it just, some things kind of never just kind of clicked, seemed at Michigan State, but it really started to, um, you know, at, at Western Michigan. So, uh, and then, Kind of a surprise, um, and I don't know if this was, uh, you know, Chad Wiseman pushing it a bit or if there was, um, you know, someone else, uh, you know, Toronto have seeded their homework, but a third-round draft pick, a Charlie Sharp uh, from Western Michigan, who actually has one more year um, of eligibility left. So uh, he can get drafted and he can go if he wants to. He can go trial or he can go, you know, for a week into preseason camp. Uh, and then he can come back and play senior year, um, or he can just forego that and then you know pick up training camp next year with Toronto FC. Every every MLS team has very different, uh, I guess I don't know, not rules, but just kind of way they view when they draft, uh, you know, a kid with one year left of eligibility. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and then obviously there were some Michigan Bucks players taken. Um, you know, one guy that Toronto or uh, Portland took, uh, Noel Kaliskan, uh, from uh, Loyola Marymount University out in uh, California. Um, and there are a few other, uh, there were a few other uh, Flint City Bucks guys drafted. Um, uh, Emeka Anelli uh, from, uh, <clears throat> uh, from Cornell, uh, went to Real Salt Lake at 25. Um, a kid, uh, Joey Aka. Akapuno, Akupononu, uh, from Bowling Green State University, uh, played in the same conference as Flint City. Didn't play for Flint City, but played for Toledo Via um, in USL2. Uh, and then, obviously, a lot of other USL2 players. Um, so just from this region, there were there were some you know kids taken from Indiana um, uh, and other you know universities within the Midwest. So it was a good day, you know, for the Big Ten. Had a lot of guys taken. Um, as a conference, and then some A10 guys uh, have, have been taken as well. So 
Um, it, it was a good, interesting draft day. And, but I mean, for the three guys from Western Michigan, I mean, that was huge for that program and Chad Wiseman. So having three uh, Michigan-based players all come from the same, same school and it be Western, uh, that, that's somewhat unusual, right? I think when you look at a program like Western Michigan, it had taken Chad a little bit to build that program. And he's very much built it in a way where they've been competitive. And Chad and I talk all the time about, about different things. And I mean, I think it's been since 2000, I want to say 18, 17. I mean, he hasn't lost, I believe, to any opponent within the state of Michigan. That's UDM, MSU, Michigan, uh, Oakland. Like he's beat all of them. And you know, Chad and Shane Lyons and the other coaches on that, st- on that Western Michigan men's soccer staff do a very good job finding players on the west side of the state, getting transfers in that fit their system and what they want to do. Um, you know, and this year they played a little more. They, they tend to be very direct, but Chad very much changed stuff up and, and they played a lot more. Um, you know, and that speaks to how they recruit and then the transfers they get in. And, and uh, you know, with... Um, you know, it's funny recruiting. <laughs> so let's see, I've been following the college game. Let's see, it's probably since 2010 when I was a journalism major at Michigan state, when I covered the Michigan state men's and women's programs. And I mean, to see that change in Michigan state was the team, uh, and Oakland always had competitive teams and Michigan, you know, was there. And, and then, you know, things change, you know, Michigan has a good year, uh, you know, and, and, and back then when I was in Michigan state, I mean, Western Michigan had, it was a massive, it was a double, it was a massive losing streak. They had to Michigan state. They could not beat them to save their lives. And then, you know, things changed and, you know, the, you know, mid 2010s, um, and, and Chad has just done a very good job recruiting players that fit his style, big physical players that are athletes. Uh, and then now grabbing some guys from the transfer portal, which, be a very good way for for teams to go as we've seen with college basketball and college football so you get the right kids in and the right fit and the right character with the team and a lot can be done um you know within that transfer portal so you know chad's done a phenomenal job um recruiting in-state and getting guys in the transfer portal and obviously getting guys from out of state as well um so yeah i mean that program is, is, is an uncommon probably for Western Michigan. I'd say it was never, you know, three from one programs a lot, unless you're like Indiana, Maryland, you know, UNC, like the big powerhouse ACC schools, Syracuse, Wake Forest, you know, all those, all those guys, Duke, um, you know, but the big, like I said, the big 10 showed pretty well, you know, usually Akron's kind of the max school that was always the one that had, you know, a lot of guys drafted, um, obviously the Mac will be no more next year. Uh, Akron will join the big East and then, uh, Western Michigan, Bowling Green and S or one other, one other Mac school will, uh, West Virginia who wasn't in the Mac this year was previously will join the Missouri Valley conference. So that's going to be a whole new look. But, um, again, it's, it, it's, it's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's not uncommon, but for a smaller program like Western Michigan, it's, you know, it's uncommon that they're going to have three guys in the same, you know, year drafted in the, you know, one draft. So do you think that uh, with success that just brings more eyeballs? I don't want to be negative on how mm-hmm. deep uh, MLS like looks into the whole collegiate season or just kind of focuses mm-hmm. on playoffs. Like 
um, Western had the biggest or the best uh, year of all mm-hmm. the Michigan teams, and they went to the national semifinal. Yep. Do you think that the eyeballs on college soccer could be kind of like, could that be the reason why was because they only really look at that uh, end of the season postseason? I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything. It's agents pushing players that, you know, Chad Wiseman or someone tells, you know, and, and this is every college coach. It's not just Chad, you know, that, that they make connections to the pro game. They email text guys and they say, Hey, look, you know, I've got a kid for you. You know, some of it comes from USL two in the summertime where someone has a very good USL two year, um, in the summer. And I mean, some obviously happen, you know, when a kid walks in and as a freshman and plays a lot. So, you know, there are a lot of circumstances when it, where a kid gets identified and found out. It's not necessarily always from, a, you know, a, a solid NCAA tournament run from a team or, or performance, but it does happen like that. And and I think, you know, with, with the teams that that Western Michigan was beating this year, I mean, I mean, it was... <laughs> I mean, it was a great year for them. And they've, and again, they've had a couple great past years where they have not lost in state teams. I mean, you know, you're playing against team, you know, the Butler, and then you beat a Michigan state, you go to, you, you play Wisconsin, you beat them, you go to Northwestern, you beat them, you know, and then the Mac has really improved with Bowling Green and Northern Illinois, because Northern Illinois, you know, made the tournament last year and, you know, going to, you know, a program like Akron and, you know, unfortunately, you know, losing, you know, one zero at home against Akron and then going to Akron in the regular season and drawing and then finally beating them in the, in the, you know, in the Mac championship game, you know, two, one at Akron is pretty huge. And then just kind of the number of teams they, you know, went through. I mean, university of Louisville is not an easy place to go play. It's a very good ACC school uh, for men's soccer and women's soccer to beat them two one. Lipscomb, who was a ranked team this past year and and had a very good season and usually makes the tournament and has a few upsets, you know, going to Nashville and beat, beating them 1-0. And then only only losing 1-0 to the University of Portland. I mean, that is a very strong program. Um, Nick Carlinwood is who actually is a Kalamazoo, is is from Kalamazoo, Nick Carlinwood, or from the uh, at the University of Portland, the men's head soccer coach, you know, does a very good good job with that program. He he goes and grabs guys in the transfer portal, he recruits very well. Um, you know, so just the, the run they had this year and in the past of the teams they played. And that's the thing with Chad is he's not afraid to go to like Charlottesville and play a university of Virginia. I think that speaks a lot to, to a program that's willing to do that when, you know, I kind of shake my head sometimes where these bigger powerhouse teams want all, you know, programs want all these teams to come play them at their place. They're not willing to go travel. And, you know, I think that speaks to Chad's uh, you know, willingness and, and drive and wanting to be the best, you know, program in the state of Michigan to go play, you know, other powerhouse programs and ACC, um, you know, uh, you know, PAC 12, uh, whack, you know, just going around the country and playing hard and playing very good program. Yeah. Coach Chad Wiseman, definitely a motivator and definitely, uh, not scared to take on any challenge. And with all this talk of him, I, I should remind the listeners to go back in the, uh, in the feed and go back and listen to Chad Wiseman interview. And that was in the midst of their uh, regular season. They were on a, a pretty good winning streak at that point. So go check out the Chad Wiseman episode listener. But of the three that we're talking about, the three players that got drafted, Dan Nimick, Hunter Morse, and Charlie Sharp, 
Um, what is the path now for them to be MLS players? Because obviously there's, um, you know, teams already put together and uh, certain years the, the, the draftees from the college game have lesser or some years they have a bigger impact on uh, the, the pro level. So what, what do you kind of forecast for these guys? I mean, Daniel and Hunter are, you know, are going to definitely, they're, they're done with school. So they're going to go into an MLS preseason and they have to prove themselves uh, to make a MLS first team roster. Um, I'm pretty sure Vancouver and FC Cincy would very much welcome both of them for their reserve team. Now the reserve team is all another story with a lot of MLS programs because depending on how they're going to set that up, I mean, crew two is a lot different who won MLS next pro the, you know, the championship last year, they were very heavy college guys and veterans and not as high Academy players. Whereas you're going to have an FC Cincy who were at one of the, one of the bottom end of the MLS next pro standings. I think they may have been dead last in the Eastern Conference, if I'm not mistaken, or down there with Chicago Fire. But those were two programs, Fire and, Cin and FC Cincy, that were going to play more of their academy players. So it's kind of more like an advanced U23 team you're playing it, you're playing with at that point with you know heavy academy players mixed in with some college players where you have to be a leader. So that may be Hunter Morse's des destiny, like for for this um, this upcoming year. Uh, you know, then maybe he gets a shot at being a third string goalkeeper or maybe getting some minutes in us open cup in like an early round match or something. You never know. Uh, you know, Roman Celetano kind of came out of nowhere last year. Um, you know, when he, he replaced the starter, uh, you know, he got, he got, he got a shot to start a few games and, and look what the Indiana university, uh, former goalkeeper did. I mean, he took that job away from, from, uh, from the starter last year for FC Cincy. So, you know, Hunter, when you're a goalkeeper, you have time to develop. You can sit, you can learn, you know, from training. And then obviously from playing games is where you'll get better. But as we know, some goalkeepers never get it, you know, don't get a starting job until, you know, their later twenties, early thirties. It's just the life of a goalkeeper. You have to wait and be a reserve and, and wait it out. Um, very few goalkeepers like Andre Blake who get drafted out of UConn as the number one overall pick for the union, you know, start right away. So uh, you know, Dane St. Clair had to wait a little at Minnesota United. You know, I, I was a kid I watched at the University of Maryland. He had to wait a little bit. He got a shot. Uh, he had it, and then, you know, he fell off fell off a little bit, and then he lost his starting job to Tyler Miller, you know, and then he got it back. So, and he's been in the Canadian national team. So, goalkeeper's an interesting spot. Daniel Nimick's an interesting one. Uh, I think Vancouver's pretty solid at the back line. So that'll be an interesting one if he makes the first team. Again, he may need to play on the reserve team and then work his way into the first team. But that dual citizenship of being English and Canadian really helps him because it doesn't cost Vancouver an international roster spot. Whereas if they had drafted a domestic guy from the United States, it would have costed them an international roster spot. So, you know, Daniel's going to have to battle it out. And if he wants to pursue a second team contract, I mean, he should. I think he's a guy that you could say if a USL championship team picked him up, I think a team would love to have him uh, or a CPL team would love to have him as well. Cause the CPL is a very competitive league and you know, they're doing a good job, you know, selling players on and, and pushing guys into the Canadian national team and playing young Academy players. And, you know, the CPL is a little different of a league than, than the USL championship and same Hunter Morse. I mean, 
if you didn't want to take that, you know, contract from FC Cincy and you wanted to go play USL, I'm sure a team would be more than welcome to to bring him on as a, you know a backup or whatnot, um, or maybe even a starter for for a League One team or maybe a Championship team's looking for a squad, uh, um, a goalkeeper. Charlie Sharp's an interesting one. I think of the three, he has you know he has very high potential to be an interesting player with his physical attributes at six, five, he moves pretty well. He's pretty shifty, honestly, on the ball. I wouldn't say he's, um, explosive and dynamic, but he moves pretty well for a six, five that, you know, that plays as a winger slash center forward. Um, he's got good feet, you know, he can, he can score with his head, you know, he can use both feet to shoot. Um, and he can combine, he's, he can come inside the game and play a bit. So Charlie has an interesting, I think, future, whether he wants to go back and play his last year at Western Michigan, that, that won't hurt him. I don't think, um, you know, people say, oh, and, 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 you know, if you don't have a good year, right. I guess that hurts you a little bit, but you know, if like for me, that's watch a guy that's watched Charlie for three or four years, you know, I know what you're getting with Charlie. Sometimes clubs don't watch the kid for long enough. You know, they watch him in an NCAA attorney in his last year in college and they rate and they go off those matches where they've never seen Charlie's ups and downs. They've never seen, you know, when he's on a, when he's on a hot streak and what he can do and whatever his capabilities. And that's why as a scout, you need to watch kids for a long, you know, not just after three games. When you watch a college kid, especially because it's different college soccer is a three month schedule. You're packed with all these games. You're playing three matches a week. You know, it's very difficult and it's not like regular soccer. I mean, it's very much almost like you're playing a world cup every year, you know, except you're not in group play. I mean, your turnaround for your matches is tough. You don't have a lot of depth sometimes, depending on which program you're in. So, but all in all, I think Charlie Sharp has an interesting profile and could, has an interesting projection into the pro game. Is he an MLS player? I think that's to be determined. I think a USL championship team would be a good place for him to start. If he goes to Toronto, he wants to forego his last year. I mean, I think I could see that kid playing for TFC too. And honestly, with him at TFC two and in the TFC system, I mean, a guy like Bob Bradley, I feel like would find his physical attributes and his skill very interesting and could find a way to work him in somewhere, maybe into the first team down the line. If he, if he can, if he can produce at the MLS next pro level for TFC two, if that's where he starts. So, you know, it's tough to say what sometimes a kid's projection is in MLS because it all depends on the coach and the system they play and what they see in the player. Cause sometimes a head coach has never seen any of these guys. Sometimes it's the technical director or the head scout that's doing the stuff and they've only seen a little bit on video. You know, some, some coaches, some player, a lot of players in college need time to develop and it's matches. They need to play with the reserve team. They need to get into training with the first team. They can play open cup games early round. That's very helpful for them as well. But some coaches don't have a lot of time and patience to develop players, especially when, you know, you're, you're first division coach in America. And, you know, some don't want to do that. Some want guys that are already pro ready and they don't want to have to teach players the game or, you know, help develop them further. Bob Bradley is a little different of a coach. I think he likes to develop players. He enjoys, you know, um, talking the game with players. If you've ever seen like the LAFC documentary on ESPN plus, you can see how Bob Bradley interacts with his players and, I think that's a very good place for Charlie Sharp to end if he does pursue that route and in going into TFC. So, you know, it's an interesting group. Um, 
you know, <laughs> the name of the game when you play lower division soccer is how long do you want to stick it out? You know, how long are you willing to stick it out for, for a better opportunity? Some kids stick it out and they find success and you know, they move up from USO championship to our MLS next pro to MLS and some do it for a few years and they're say, Hey, I want a big boy job. So, you know, it's all about your drive and determination. So true. So true. So very excited for those players that, uh, got that opportunity to get selected, hear their name in the MLS, uh, super draft and, uh, very interesting with Charlie Sharp. I, I got to see him in the flesh a couple times. Most recently was, uh, when we traveled to Lansing and saw him play for Western against Michigan state. Mm-hmm. And I definitely saw that, uh, uh, he definitely has a feistiness and a, and a power to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were, we we were sat in the stands there at uh, at, at state. Uh, uh, we were like in his fan section, so there was like twenty of his buddies just going wild every time we touched yeah. the ball. So uh, there was no forgetting uh, Charlie Sharp, and he ended up doing that, popping up uh, with big goals and big contributions throughout the season. So mm-hmm. should be interesting to see how that pans out. And that's a a good point about Bob Bradley and uh, what yeah. he values. Um, before I let you go though, Brooks, uh, there was another aspect to the draft and, uh, Michigan was the, uh, Midwest, uh, uh, pro combine and you were involved with that. Uh, tell us about, uh, um, that event and, uh, how that connected to the draft last week. Yeah. So the Midwest pro combine is something, um, Eric Rudland, who's the sporting director, former head coach of AFC Ann Arbor. Um, began in, I think it was like 2015, 2016. And I remember attending that event when it was first ultimate soccer arena. And then now it's at the legacy center in Brighton. Um, you know, in the past we've had guys, you know, like guys like Lalo Sabubakar and, uh, gosh, there are some other, a lot of other guys that have been drafted in the MLS and have had a career in MLS and, um, you know, Abubakar did play Dane and that kind of, you know, goes into what I'm going to talk about is, you know, two guys from our combine, Jaden Jones, Riley, um, who played at the university of Dayton and Xavier Zengue, uh, who played at Dayton as well. Um, Jane Jones, Riley was a right back and, uh, Xavier was a uh, right center back, left center back. So he's right footed, but he can play both center back spots. Um, so that's big for our Midwest pro com, you know, for us at the Midwest pro combine is that two kids that attended our combine were, were drafted in the MLS super draft. Um, you know, and it was a good event. It was a good turnout. Um, everyone was pretty pleased with the competition. Uh, a lot of USL championship teams, some NISA teams, Michigan stars, uh, gold star, uh, Chattanooga from NISA, um, you know, a bunch of different USL championship teams from Pittsburgh Riverhound to Detroit city, um, Charlotte independence from USL league one. Um, and that's just to name a few, some MLS teams, Columbus, Seattle, and, uh, you know, DC United, um, attended as well. So it was a good turnout. Um, you know, it was a good event for us and, you know, it's an event we love to run. It was a bit difficult this year cause it was during finals week. So the guys kind of had to move some stuff around to make it or, or had to take finals earlier. Um, so, but it was a good event. Um, everyone was very pleased. The players were pleased. Um, and Eric and I are, you know, very happy. Um, cause I help Eric with the player application and, and kind of evaluation processes. Um, of selecting the players for the combine. So we were very pleased that, you know, it was competitive um, and that we, uh, you know, uh, you know, that we had two more guys from our combine be selected in the MLS super draft. So, um, you know, that's, you know, we're happy about that. <laughs> well, very cool. Very cool. Uh, congrats on that success and uh, of that mm-hmm. event. 
So kudos to those three Western Michigan Broncos. Uh, their path to a pro career uh, takes a very big step. And uh, to those who were selected uh, via Midwest uh, Pro Combine. So exciting years ahead for some uh, Michigan connected players. And thank you, Brooks, for uh, filling us in on the uh, the scouting side. And thank you so much for your time and insight. And thank you again for joining Michigan Sector Central podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me again, Robert. And uh, I, I always love coming on and talking soccer. And, you know, if anyone has any questions or whatnot, you know, always reach out to me. And, you know, obviously I'm also on the, you know, we are soccer. So I do that Sunday nights with the guys, Craig and Nate, um, you know, and then we also have MSC WS team of the week as well. So we uh, at MSC WS, we would love if you guys want to put in nominations to direct message either of us, um, just to throw that in as well at the end here. <laughs> Yeah, team of the week. It's uh uh we're at a time in between a lot of yeah. seasons right now, but we had a lot of amazing submissions and uh team selections this year. So we are soccer or Michigan Soccer Central. Submit your teams of the week. Thank you very much, Brooks. Thank you, Robert. our 47th episode of the year and our 91st episode of the podcast overall. Thank you to Brooks Lambier for that excellent insight into those players who got drafted and kind of an insight into the scouting and uh, professionalization of players. Uh, Not always the clearest subject, so really great to get some uh, explanation, clarity, and kind of just... uh, lay the scene of what is to come for the players drafted in the MLS Super Draft. Thank you to him and the rest of the Michigan Soccer Central core team. Thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing yet another podcast. Thank you so much for doing so each and every week and sometimes multiple times a week. So thank you as always. And like I said, big things to come for Michigan Soccer Central and this show to come in 2023. So excited to do that. And until next year, everybody, hopefully I'm wishing the bounces of the ball go in your favor. And like always, like I try to say at the end of each and every episode, thank you for listening. And everybody, please enjoy your soccer. (laughs) 